Now, in sporting terms, the existence of a pro-NBA team in Vancouver was a pretty short-lived affair, especially if you didn't live in Vancouver at the time, like myself. I lived in Montreal. We were still, we were about to watch the Expos disappear. Well, out here in Vancouver on the West Coast, they were getting ready for the surprise departure, perhaps surprise departure of their only NBA team, the Grizzlies, after just six seasons. They packed up and moved to Memphis. That was more than 20 years ago now, imagine. But much like the much longer-lived Expos, the loss of a pro sports franchise can leave scars on those who fell for the team and the sport. And despite winning just 100 games and losing 360 during those six years, never making the playoffs, there's still some lingering affection for the Vancouver Grizzlies and for some lingering passion. One of those diehard fans is Kat Jamie, who has leveraged her love of the Grizzlies into a filmmaking career, along with other skills, obviously. First focusing on the team's now infamous first-round draft pick in their second season, I don't get this wrong, Bryant Reeves, who you may remember as Big Country. The film was called Finding Big Country. And now a new doc called The Grizzly Truth. Here's a preview. It's now official. The Vancouver Grizzlies are in the NBA. The Grizzlies begin playing in the fall of 1995. I was just six years old when the Grizzlies came to Vancouver, and I was completely obsessed with the team. I just loved watching them win or lose. But the true story of my team remains one of basketball's greatest unsolved mysteries. How can you resist that? I never thought of the Grizzlies leaving town as a great unsolved mystery, but it certainly captures the imagination. And Kat Jamie, writer and director of The Grizzly Truth, joins me now. Thank you so much for your time. Congratulations. Thanks for having me, Ben. You know, I watched, uh, it, it, your love of the Grizzlies is, is infectious, by the way. You know, one can <laughs> look at the thing, well, I wish I'd spent more time watching the Grizzlies back in Montreal. But uh, I guess that was really the reason to try and go, go and solve this mystery. This is unfinished business for you. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, thinking about this film for over a decade, um, and it's just been a nagging thought I've had since since I was um, in film school. So, you know, I, I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to, to tell the story. How did you set about, uh, what questions specifically did you want answered? I mean, what were the questions that have been lingering for you for years that you wanted this movie to delve into? Um, I think one of the main goals was just getting closure whatever that uh, whatever that meant um and and you know i started doing research started picking up the phone calling people who worked for the organization and it was just very surprising to me to learn of a different story than what you know fans um you know just fans on the street kind of um thought um you know thought about the grizzlies and, and their version of what happened it was very different from what those who actually went through it um, experienced. So I knew that there was, because of that gap, um, I, I knew that there was, you know, a story to tell. And, you know, how do I, how do I bridge this gap to, to make fans like myself understand what really happened? And, again, most importantly, to, to give us closure. Yeah, what I, you know, your love of the team is really part of what drives it too, because I think, you know, I, I mean, I grew up a Montreal Expos fan, speaking of things that went away <laughs> to other places, yeah, uh, yeah. much, much to, I mean, it was different, I guess, because as you know, I followed them when I was young and loved them in the way you love the Grizzlies. And then I got older and they got bad and they got really bad and then no one went and then they left. So it was a bit, bit of a slow, painful demise. But in your case, it really was quick. I mean, six years was a very short time to sort of get all that. I mean, they would have gotten better. I guess that's part of the sad, thing too just like the raptors did right 
Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I, I learned um, in my journey is that the Grizzlies were getting better every year. Um, and, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that, that the plug was pulled, you know, a bit too soon. Six years is, is, not, an, is not a long time, um, especially, you know, when you're just starting out. So one of the things that was interesting, and I think this was uh, came through in your Finding Big Country movie as well, is that while one may think it would be easy to track down the uh, reality, sort of the truth about a team that existed for six years, you know, up till 20 years ago, it's actually a lot harder than it looks. Like, this isn't out there to be found easily, is it? No, I mean, uh, especially, you know, all the Grizzly players live all across North America, um, and, you know, I, I mean, prior to finding the country, I really had no connections to the NBA. I had no connections to anyone within the organization. And, you know, I, I did, you know, I, I want to say like over a hundred plus interviews, research interviews, anyone who had connections to the team, anyone who w- worked for the Grizzlies, um, you know, I wanted to speak to anyone who could tell me any information about, um, you know, the Grizzlies uh, time in Vancouver um, so yeah, it took it took a lot of sleuthing um, and uh, a lot of work to track them to track everyone down. And it what made it especially difficult was making this film during COVID. That was a that was a curveball that you know my team and I weren't expecting, um, but we we were able to uh, just kind of uh, switch gears and um, find solu- creative solutions to uh, to filming during COVID. Yeah, there's some really interesting details about how you managed to track people down. Steve Francis was one of the one of the interesting ones. I guess for people who didn't follow the Grizzly story closely, uh, in a nutshell, what was the who was the bad guy? I mean, in Montreal, there were a few. You know, there were some ownership groups that people really grew to blame for that for the Expos leaving. Um, mm-hmm. In the case of in the case of the Grizzlies, who was sort of the 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 bad guy, in, 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 or at least you know the sort of the fall person when when the demise of the team was concerned. Um, you know, there's there are a lot of scapegoats, right? Um, you know, finding the country kind of explores, um, you know, people finding blame in, in Bryant Reeves, and by t- I hope that you know the goal of that film is also to kind of set the record straight um, and tell Bryant's story. So you know, there's a lot of people who take you know that fans blame. So yeah, Big Country is one of them. You know, obviously Steve Francis is another. Grizzly super fans get blamed. Sue Jackson gets blamed. Um, and, you know, through my research, through talking to everyone, it's not, I, I, I've come to realize that it's not just one thing or one person. It was a culmination of so, like, everything that could go wrong for the Grizzlies went wrong. Um, you know, there was NBA lockouts. There was, a, you know, the weak Canadian dollar. You know, there were, um, you know, back then, no one really, like, players didn't know where Vancouver was or what it was all about. So um, so that was another factor that we kind of had to battle um, against. And so, yeah, so, you know, I just, I just think it's just a series of, unfortunately, like a series of unfortunate events that led to the Vancouver Grizzlies um, leaving town. Sometimes it's difficult to dig into the past. Like it's sometimes it's easier just to have your own conception of why they left without actually going to dig into it. Were you happy with what you found? Did you, did it, did it, did you walk away with some closure once you'd finished? Definitely. I mean, I don't want to give any spoilers, but I just, nope. I, you know, yeah. I go, I do end up going to Memphis, which is a place I never, ever, ever in a million right. years thought I'd go. Um, and I, you know, I learn a lot while I'm there and I grow from, you know, going to Memphis and meeting the super fans um, who love the Grizzlies um, just as much as I do. 
yeah, the NBA is a weird league that way because, as you point out, there are no Grizzlies in Memphis, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you, and like, yeah. there's not much jazz in Utah either. Right? No lakes so, in LA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just another another part of that that legend of where did that team actually actually come from? Uh, when you when you, I mean, I, I gather from reading about your interviews with Steve Francis and so on that people still had a lot of fond memories of those brief years, though, like playing in Vancouver when they got here wasn't uh, turned out to be a place they kind of liked. I mean, all the players, like I have stories of like, um, you know, was it the Utah Jazz? Like, I think the Utah, Utah Jazz uh, went fishing one time when they were here. Like a lot, like a lot of the players loved coming here. Um, and in fact, you know, every, every Vancouver Grizzly player that I interviewed at some point during our, our, you know, hangout or interview, they'd be like, Kat, like get me back there. Like, how can you get me back there? Um, so no, I, and there's some players who even like, said that they they want to reti- like you know after they'd like to retire in Vancouver so I think you know Vancouver um was a great city a great uh, sorry a great NBA city and you know I, I am hopeful that the NBA will return to uh, to Vancouver one day we talked a bit Kat earlier about uh, about why there were many different I guess there really wasn't a, a scapegoat here you said it was a perfect storm of stuff. Uh, the lockout didn't help, right, too? I mean, there was a whole bunch of things going on. I mean, Seattle lost their team, right? And they were booming at the time. Yeah, I mean, and Seattle was a team that had, you know, they had, that team had so much more history than we did, and their team left. It, it seems really unfortunate the Pacific Northwest. We have the Kraken and the Canucks now, but we don't have a basketball team up here anymore. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I'm hopeful that Seattle will get a team soon now that they have a new stadium. Um and you know, hopefully, when that ha- after that happens, uh, Vancouver. I know Las Vegas is also, you know, on the list of cities who is crying for a team. But uh, again, I, I I do think that, um, or I do hope that Vancouver gets gets another shot at the NBA. What was it about your memories? I mean, you think back to those times, and I guess you went back to see the Grizzlies in Memphis as well. I mean, did it bring back any memories of what you liked about going to games when you were younger? Well, yeah, of course, you know, going to Memphis, uh, it was an emotional trip for sure. I just bought, brought back lots of memories, you know, going to games with my dad and my grandfather, uh, my family. Um, and, you know, the NBA does such a great job um, uh, entertaining. It's, um, the, you know, people who go watch games. And, th- and that was the really big thing here in Vancouver is that, you know, we weren't the greatest team, but it didn't matter because games were just so much fun. Um, the Grizz organi- the Vancouver Grizzlies organization did such a fantastic job. The, the game operations team, every game, you know, you would leave feeling like you got your money's worth, regardless of what the scoreboard said at the end of the day. What do you think it was? I mean, I remember being in Toronto when the Raptors were first around, working there, um, and that, you know, the, uh, the Raptors really appealed to a whole, you know, to a newer Toronto than the Leafs did. You know, the Leafs have been around forever and they had their fans. It was hard to get tickets. It was hard to get in. The Raptors sort of came along and, and, and charged, charged the city in a, in a different way. And they attracted different fans. And it was, there were more kids there and it was younger and it was kind of cooler in a lot of ways. We saw it when they won, how it was sort of a different, a different Toronto that then had gone to the Leafs for all those years. Was it the same in Vancouver? Did you have a very different vibe at, at a Grizzlies game than you would say at a Canucks game? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think just by, you know, like bas- watching basketball games is just such a different experience. You know, um, players aren't wearing um, uniforms that right. hide their face. They're not wearing helmets. Um, so you can you really get to see 
you know, an athlete and, and see like all their emotions. Um, and, you know, Grizzlies games, again, were just so much fun. Exactly, you know, how you described the Raptors games, those were, that's what it was like going to Grizzlies games. Um, it was a family event. Tickets were, were uh, very affordable. Um, and, you know, I, and especially, I know the Grizzlies, um, you know, when the team wasn't being that well, um, you know, they would give tickets out too to, uh, to students, you know, to kids um, um, who right. might not be able to afford going to a game. And they really um, took it upon themselves to invite and include the, the community. Um, and so that's why there's a bunch of Vancouver Grizzly fans like myself, you know, who, you know, we might be like in our, our 30s um, right now. And we all just fell in love with the team when they were here. I've noticed when I go to Vancouver, even here in Victoria, where I am, you do see a lot more Grizzlies stuff than mm-hmm. you did 10, 10, 15 years ago, right after they, you know, in the days after they left. You see a lot more, and you do see kids wearing Grizzly stuff that look like they're way too young to have ever seen the Grizzlies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Grizzlies merchandise, I'd say, is like been such a hot ticket item now. Um, and, you know, prices for vintage Grizzly stuff has gone, gone through the roof. Um, it is sort of the end thing to wear Vancouver Grizzlies gear now. How's the reaction been to the film? It's been out for a while now, back uh, since the since the early uh, or late summer, I guess, or at least early early fall. What's the reaction been like to yeah. it? Yeah, we um, it's been really really special. Um, we premiered at the Vancouver International Film Festival. Uh, we just finished our Canadian theatrical release. Um, come January tenth, um, you can you can pre order the film on iTunes, Cineplex and apple tv um and on january 10th we're going to be on a few more platforms as well um and so yeah you know check our website follow us on instagram just to get all the details um and because you know i i I definitely want as many vancouver grizzly fans to to watch the film and to be able to feel the same pleasure that, that i feel after you know having gone through the experience of making the film what was it like then? Because you made Find a Big Country and then you made this one. I, I guess this is, I, I don't know, this must be, as a filmmaker at least, I, I imagine you might have told your grisly story. What to, What next? Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I have a bunch of, a bunch of stories that, I, that I'm currently working on. Um, one of them is about the Game 7 Vancouver Hockey Riot. Oh, wow. I'm also uh, working on a documentary about Christine Sinclair. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a few projects that uh, that I'm currently working on, a few projects that I'm developing, um, and you know the Grizzlies um, the Grizzlies story for now at least will be put to rest. <laughs> I spent the the past few years working on on telling the story of the Grizzlies, and I had such an absolute blast doing that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just working on. Uh, there, there are many more stories I'd like to tell in my career and in my life. Yeah, well, you're off to a great start. Uh, I guess the other ones won't involve you digging through your cupboard, though, which is always the great best way to, when you, uh, in the beginning of finding big country, you, you dig through yeah. your closet and take out all your, your grisly swag from back in the day. That's uh, uh, what are the, uh, Do you think there's more of a recognition in Vancouver now about the Grizzlies history? I mean, I, there's one scene in Finding Big Country where you go to the BC uh, mm. Sports Hall of Fame and there's like a, bas- a basketball there too. Mm-hmm. You know, the sort of, the team that never was. I mean... And I, I, you know, I, I unfortunately, um, no, I, no, no, sorry. Yes, the, the definitely, I feel like there's definitely like a lot of love um, for the Grizzlies, you know, even more now, especially after finding a country, hopefully after the Grizzly truth. 
think a lot of fans came out of the woodwork um, after Finding Me Country um, came out, and that's why in the Grizzly Truth, um, I'm joined by a bunch of other super fans who kind of set me off um, before I take, you know, before I go off on my journey, and they share with me who they think I should track down and the theories that they, you know, the reasons why they believe the team left Vancouver, um, and and so yeah, so the you know. Again, I, I'm I'm definitely not the only one. There's so many diehard Vancouver Grizzly fans out there um, who who still who still miss the team and still still hope for the day like myself when the NBA uh, will come back to Vancouver. And it is, in fact, a mystery. So I'll suggest to listeners that uh, that you watch it. It's called the Grizzly Truth. Cat Jamie, thank you so much. Uh, look forward to your next project. And again, congratulations on this one. Thank you so much, Ben. Thanks for having me.